one of those Sundays. I just realized, actually, I, I went to go back to get the clicker because I was going to have PowerPoint. And then Melody told me, there, there's no PowerPoint in this. I have one. It's uh, um, in my computer. Actually, maybe, do you want to try that? Um, hey, Rick, would you mind, just in my computer, um, it's in my bag. There's a little SD card. If you mind just pulling it out, and we can, we can get to the slides in a minute. I can start with the introduction. It's, you, you'll miss all the really great, beautiful parts, but... Sorry, you know, it's funny, I got here early because I had stuff to print off and I got all that done and I was so proud, like, you know, I've actually, I'm sitting here just thinking like, it's done. Like, I'm not rushing around like I normally am. It's because I hadn't done everything yet. <laughs> all right, so imagine this. This might actually even be better. Imagine this screen, the picture uh, that we've had up there for a couple weeks. The guy's holding the sand or the dirt, the soil in his hand with this tiny little sprout, these beautiful like kind of dirty, uh, weathered hands. Um, and talking some about this, this series that we've been working on of Ready, Set, Grow. Talking about how do we grow as disciples. Uh, if you remember a couple weeks ago, Susan preached this great sermon, uh, great engaging sermon of talking about how we grow through our personal devotion. You know, that it's, there's lots of ways that we can connect with God, but one of the primary ways is a daily devotion, whatever that looks like, whether that's morning prayer, morning devotion and Bible study, um, times throughout the day when you'd stop and pray, or it's fasting, different devotions, different practices that we have that draw us closer to God. And then last week we talked some, if you remember, about um, the discipleship hothouse or discipleship greenhouse uh, of small groups. When we gather together in small groups, how that helps us grow faster. It's like ideal conditions. We have uh, just a few people in the room so, and people that over time we get to know well so we are more willing to share our stories, more willing to talk about what we're thinking or the questions we have. It's different than this group here uh, where there's lots of people and maybe you have a question but you're afraid to ask. In a small group, those things happen and we study together and grow together, not just grow in our understanding of God's word but also closer together as the church. This week, we are the third part of the series talking about why it's so important to gather together to praise God on Sunday mornings, this moment here, and how this helps us grow. For this last week, I've been wondering, you know, how, how does Sunday morning, been thinking about this, and how does Sunday morning help us grow? You know, why do we come here? Even maybe a, a better question, you know, if, is even us, our growth, even the main point of why we come on Sundays? Or maybe this is how do we grow best on Sunday morning as well, asking some of these questions. Maybe you, some of you might be wondering this as I raise the question, you know, why do we come on Sundays? You know, why am I here? Am I here because I think I'm supposed to be? Am I here because my spouse made me? Am I here because I've got nowhere else to be? Am I here because I love the people? Am I here because I love God? All these are questions. Maybe, too, maybe some of you are wondering, as you are kind of new to faith, wondering, you know, how do I get the most out of Sunday morning? You know, how do I come away uh, growing? So this morning we're going to be reading from Colossians. Uh, if you want to, open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Or even, uh, in your bulletins here in the center we have it. Um, I'm just going to keep this out because I would have had it on the screen. But uh, 
This morning we're going to be reading from Colossians. Colossians, or sorry, Paul is speaking to the church, encouraging them to put off their old way of life and to put on their new life uh, to live like Jesus. It's this great image of taking off like, like a robe almost, like a dirty robe, take off our old self, our human way of living, and put on this robe of Christ, this robe of Jesus' righteousness. And we're going to pick up the text there. <clears throat> so uh, the first part um, is going to say this. If you want to read it with me, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. No, okay. <laughs> We empty? Oh, no worries. Oh, you know what? My, my laptop's not in there. It must be on the desk. Yeah, it's on the side of the laptop. Thank you, guys. So all this stuff, like all this teaching is just going right out the window, right? The only thing we're going to remember from this Sunday is remember that Sunday Jason didn't put the PowerPoint in? Okay, so I wanted to move just quickly over verses 12 to 14. Like, that's a great text, and we've talked some about this in the past and use it actually part of as a guide for our relational covenant. Um, talking about this is some of the humility. This is how we get together. This is how we get along as a church family. Do you got it? Thanks, Rick. I really appreciate it. <clears throat> All right. So, Paul is calling them to essentially put on Christ-like character, to practice these traits of things like humility, compassion, forgiveness, to practice these things as a way to stay together as a church family, to care for each other and all of this, to put on all of this above everything, to put on love. And this isn't like the love like, oh, I feel so warm and fuzzy about you. This is more like the love like I care about you, I'm going to make sacrifices in my own life to help you. Much like uh, Sister Therese, uh, as Melly described earlier, these sort of acts of love. And then this is, once we've put on Christ-like character, Next, we move to this part. He says, um, let the peace, it's verse 15 in your bulletins or in your Bibles. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. All right. Essentially, we're talking about becoming more like Jesus. The point of the whole last three weeks have been this, to grow more like Jesus. Ah, perfect. Thanks, Melody. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you know what? I don't have the clicker now. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rick. It makes me appreciate uh, how much I love this church family. Because if, if, if I were in some other place, I'd be horribly flustered. But I love you guys. You're my family. So, um, <laughs> Thank you. So we've been talking some about let the peace of Christ... Um, the point of the last three weeks has been to grow more like Jesus. That's what we've been talking about, to, to ready, set, grow, um, to become more like him. Um, moving beyond, now at this point in our last few weeks, we've been moving on beyond what we should do, you know, should become more like Jesus, to get into the practical things of how we actually do it, the things that will help us get there. For the last few months, we worked through the Sermon on the Mount. That whole teaching is about how we follow Jesus, about how we grow or how we, what discipleship looks like. 
And for the last couple weeks now, this, this Ready, Set, Grow series is how do we get there? The actual living part of it, how do we do it? Okay, so moving out of the shoulds, what you should do, and into the how we do it. All right. Then Paul says this. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So here you can get this sense or you realize that Paul is talking about the worship. He's talking about when you get together to worship, this is what we want it to look like. And here's where I want to dig in for us to dig into this, this text for this morning. Okay? So he says, Let the word uh, of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, what exactly is this word that he's talking about? This word of Christ. The word of, this Christ, the word of Christ here is the gospel, first of all. It's the good news. The good news that when we were broken and unable to make our way right with God, when we were unable to do all the right things to make everything right with God, when we failed and failed and failed at that, when we were lost in our sinfulness, Christ came for us. He came and he brought God's kingdom introduced it to us, showed us what it looks like. And he didn't just teach us words about it. He actually showed it to us, demonstrated it to us. And then he died on a cross and rose again so that we might be a part of it. Despite our sinfulness, despite the things that we get wrong, our rebellion, the ways that we hurt each other, despite all of that, Christ has made a new way for us. And I just feel like I'm just like scratching the surface of what the gospel is. It's broad talks about our grace and salvation. It talks about God's kingdom. So it's not, so part of the, the, this word of Christ is the gospel. <clears throat> but it's also broader than that. It's actually also his teaching, the things that he's been teaching and the things that we are just reading about in, in verses uh, 12 to 14, where Paul talks about things like humility, compassion, long-suffering, caring for one another, and above all this, love. These are the, the words of Jesus that we want to dwell in us richly. All right, so Paul says that all this would would dwell in you richly. That it would dwell in us. That it would live in us. That it would get worked into our soul. Into the way we naturally are. That we would move beyond putting it on like an act. That we would move beyond trying to be nice. That it would actually dwell in us. These words of Christ. They become a natural part of who we are that they would dwell in us richly. And in one sense, this richly is like abundantly, kind of overflowing, that this character of Jesus would overflow out of us. The people would spend time with us, and even if they weren't Christians, they would say, there is something about this person. There is something about you guys. I want to be around you more, that it would flow out of us. This is not like meager glimpses here and there, which sometimes I feel like I struggle with, like little glimpses of faithfulness or compassion or gentleness, but an overabundance flowing out. This abundance would not only, first of all, it would bless others around us, our friends, our family, our coworkers, but also then it would, be, it would also be richly in us. And so it's not just in terms about the quantity, this richly, but also the quality, that it would be good for us as well that we would delight. And I keep thinking about Sister Therese. Uh, I'm saying, is it sister or mother or sister? St. Therese, thank you. St. Therese, that she, she would bless people 
and care for people and it just began to flow out of her and you hear this story you realize that the more she did it I don't know how it was in the very beginning for her if it was a, like a practice a sacrifice if she did it and she didn't really feel it but you can get this sense that by the end she enjoyed doing it the more she did it the more she practiced love the more delight she got out of loving people by eating the worst leftovers, by uh, doing the worst jobs. But she loved it more and more. So this, that it would dwell in us richly is the abundance for everybody around us, but also it, it grows in us. The richness is for us as well. So then he says, Paul says, as you teach and admonish one another, and it's interesting because he talks about here, he says, as you teach and admonish one another, this runs counter to our propensity and our sight to treat Sunday kind of like a show. Talking about it earlier this week with some guys uh, in our leadership group, we're tempted to see the pastor as the pro, the person uh, that we pay to put on really great sermons or give really great messages. Some people are even resistant to lay people preaching because they think, well, you know, we've got a pro that we pay to do this. We should have that person do it every Sunday. But it's interesting because uh, Paul is, speaks about this in the other letters as well. To the church in Rome, Paul says, even more clear, he says, teach one another. Check this out. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. That Paul's convinced that you guys, you guys have it together. You guys that we should teach one another. Now it's true that there are, they had leaders, they had leaders in the, in the ancient church, uh, and, but it was different than our professional ministers that we have today. We are called to teach one another. One of the great places this happens is small groups. Um, I, we guys teach one another. Sometimes it's the group leader, but many times it's someone else who says, I'd like to answer that question, and you guys share the responsibility of teaching. We have this responsibility to grow as disciples and to teach one another. All of us have a part to play in it. All right. So I want to take just a second here and talk about how we get the most out of sermons. Okay, just a, a quick sidebar here. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. Most of the time, I see you missing out on sermons. Let me explain. If you want to get the most out of a sermon, even mediocre sermons, you need to actively listen. And I, it's funny, Tracy and I didn't even talk about this morning what she was planning to talk with the kids about, but it was so perfect. She was talking about actively listening. If you want to get the most out of preaching, out of a sermon, you need to actively listen. This includes taking notes. I don't know, this, says, this is like this, you know, sermon notes for kids and youth. You know, maybe we should have this thing and just scratch it out and put sermon notes, sermon notes for everybody in the church if you want to get the most out of a sermon. Uh, this is one example. You know, too, like, if you notice this bulletin, uh, there's this giant white space right here. That's not because I can't think of something to say. This is on purpose. The questions on the back, uh, reflection questions. This is for us to keep working through the sermon, to get as much, to suck as much as we can out of the Word of God. So, I've been talking about, you know, like, if you want to, like, like, there's pencils, you have pencils or pens, like, write notes. 
Or, like Tracy had a great example of draw a picture. You know, like if I'm speaking of something and, a, and an image comes to mind, just sketch it or add parts to it. I mean, we are very, some people are really visual. Most of us are visual learners. Um, but you're drawing a picture of what this sermon means or you're drawing uh, car even cartoons, stick figures of how we do this to get it into us. Because otherwise, it just, it's so easy for it to just kind of come in one ear and out the other. I brought this. This is my journal. Uh, like, I'm going to be using this this weekend or this next week at the pastor-spouse retreat. When, the, um, when I'm listening to the speaker speak, I'm going to be taking notes. And I might not ever look at those notes again. That's fine. It's just paper and a little bit of ink. But if there's something really good, then I've got it here. And I'm not just like writing notes of what they say. I'm also writing like, oh, that's a great point. Or, oh, I'm not sure about this. I need to check into this. Or I need to ask them about what do they mean here. This is active listening. It's different than just sitting and letting it kind of wash over us. Okay. So, see, if we're just going to passively listen, I mean, it seems like 80, I mean, this is my experience at least, like 80 to 90% of it, like you can't, mem you can't remember it half an hour after the, after the sermon. So, taking notes. The thing is, because over time, any preacher you hear week in or week out they will become average. Now, it's true. I, me, personally, I, I'm working to, to grow as a preacher constantly, to develop new things, to have images on the screen to help it sink in, to underline things and have the text here for you. I'm working to preach better all the time. Um, but the, honestly, but the truth is, most of my sermons, most of the time, they're just normal. That's the definition of normal, what you get most of the time. And yet, we live in a world where entertainment is a huge part of our lives. And so we can begin with, we aren't questioning, we can begin to think that the sermon is supposed to be really entertaining every Sunday or really extraordinary every Sunday. The thing is, most of my sermons are just normal. Most of the time, if you came here every week in or week out, my sermons would begin to sound a lot alike. It's just how I am. It's my mannerisms. It's how I, how I speak. I try to do things differently, but a lot of them... Uh, man, I need to love this fly better. Um, a lot of them start to sound similar. The thing is, even if I preached an excellent sermon every Sunday, over time, that would become normal, right? That becomes the new average. Even if it was amazing, like technically the best sermons ever, if I did that every week... After a few, maybe a year, a few months, you'd be like, meh, that's about normal. There's a sliding scale of excellence. That's the definition of average, what you get most of the time. Average is, comes on a sliding scale. Not only that, but we have a propensity as people to take people for granted. God forgive me, I take my wife for granted. Tracy is this amazing lady with amazing ability, amazing gifts, super faithful, hardworking, and yet I still find myself taking her for granted. We also take pastors for granted too, or preachers. And what I mean by this is, I've seen it. I'll preach a sermon here, you know, my kind of normal sermon. I'll preach it here. And you guys are like, ah, thanks, pastor. Great sermon today. Thank you. I'll go and I'll preach that same sermon at Nelson or the Junction. And Jeff and Jesse tell me for like weeks, 
people are telling me, oh, Jason's sermon was so wonderful. It was so great. You know, why can't we have him here more often? And I don't feel like I'm actually bragging because you guys say the same thing to me when Jeff and Jesse come here. I tell these guys, oh, yeah, people are still going on, Jeff, about the, the sermon that you preached a few weeks ago. The thing is, uh, you guys get used to me. It's easy to take each other for granted. Um, these are the normal sermons that we preach, and if we just go to a different place, they seem super normal. They seem excellent. My point is, is that we each have a responsibility to get the most out of a sermon. I have a responsibility to not be lazy, to work hard, to study God's word, and to bring it in a way that you can get what God is saying. But you have a responsibility as well. If you're just going to sit and let it kind of just wash over you, you're not going to get as much out of it. If you take notes, whether in a journal or even on the youth note sermon note guide or inside the bulletin, if you take notes, you will get more out of every Sunday. I guarantee you. And actually, you know what? I will make a guarantee. If you will take notes on sermons for the next month, I guarantee you will get more out of it. Or, I didn't give any thought to this, or I'll give you your money back, right? <laughs> I guarantee you, I'm not, I don't have anything to guarantee you back, but you will get more out of every sermon if you take notes. Even if you just take notes and you're like, throw it on the pile, just another normal sermon. But there will be things that God will show you, sometimes things that I didn't even say you will realize as you're taking notes. This is how we grow. Oh man, I need to go faster. Okay. So if you want to grow, Christ to dwell in you richly, we need to actively listen to sermon, take notes, write questions. Uh, I would love to see all of you fiercely writing each Sunday as I'm praying, or as I'm preaching. And so if you, and then, you know, even if it's just a normal sermon, you will get more out of it. Okay, so Paul says that this is how we have to admonish one another with all wisdom. He's talking here about the wisdom of knowing what Jesus is teaching, but also knowing how we apply it. So not just knowing lots about the Bible, but also understanding situations and when to apply uh, Jesus' teaching. But then this is the thing that, that um, kind of surprises me. So he says that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly through teaching one another. But then he says this, as you sing. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So the word of God, the word of Christ dwells in us when we hear sermons, but also when we sing. Now, many of us experience this. Like how many often, like Dan, I think about you, uh, talking about these songs like we sing on Sunday, they just stick with us through the rest of the week. A couple weeks ago, I was, took the week off. I was up in the mountains chasing elk. And I listened to the same worship song, I think, three or four times on my way up there just to, like, stick it in me. And I sang that song all week. The words of songs, they stick with us. They get the word of God in us. But it also matters, uh, just as it matters what we sing. So we don't want to sing songs that teach us the wrong things about Jesus or bad theology. Just as much as it matters what we sing, it also matters how we sing. Listen to this. It matters what we sing, absolutely. But maybe even more, it matters how we sing. And this is where Paul gives us a hint. He says, with gratitude in your hearts. With gratitude in your hearts and to God. That we're singing these things grateful, praising God, and we're singing them to God. So often we get this mixed up. 
We get focused on maybe self-indulgence. You know, we start thinking like, oh, this is my favorite song. This, I've heard this before, and like the pastors, we joke about this. People come and say, oh, the Spirit was really moving this last Sunday. And oftentimes we find out what they really mean is, oh, I love the music. Those are my favorite songs. We have to be careful that we don't come on Sunday coming just to sing my favorite song. That we come to praise God. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have preferences too. I love, there are certain songs that I love and there are certain songs that I don't get. And I love to sing the ones that I love, but also I can sing. Even this morning, I was thinking about it. Like, I am praising God right now. Even though this might not be my favorite song, when I start praising God, it becomes good. Okay. So they understand our thoughts about worship, that we realize um, that it's not about us just singing our favorites. Not only that, but the other, ex- the other extreme happens too. Sometimes we sing with contempt. We start thinking like, oh, I hate this song. Or, oh, I hate the way we're singing this song. That is not praising God. It's hard to praise God when we can't move past the point of thinking like, oh, I don't like the way that we're singing this. That we come to praise God. I was thinking about this this week. For all I know, As the Deer Pants for the Water might actually be God's favorite song. Even though I don't really get it, it's not for me, it might actually be God's favorite. But if I can sing that song praising Him, you know, it doesn't really matter what I think about the song, I think God delights in it. And that's why we're here. All right. So both extremes miss the point. We don't gather on Sunday to sing our favorite song. We gather to praise God. The thing is, we're a church. Now you want to correct. We don't, we don't go to church. We go to a building. We are the church. We are the church. And this is the church. It's not a movie theater. And, I mean, I tried to do things well this morning. You wouldn't realize it. <laughs> Just what a hot mess it was with no PowerPoint. And what. But we tried to do things well. We don't want to put people off. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter what we do. Because it's not, this is not supposed to be entertaining. This is supposed to be us gathering to praise. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm trying to help us see and to praise God and to have his word dwell in us. All right. So finally, Paul ends with this word. He says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now we first might be thinking like, wow, how do we do everything through the Lord Jesus? And this goes back to some of the things he's already said. One, clothe yourself with Christ-like character, like in verse 12. Or verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When we do these things, honoring Jesus, whatever we do, word or deed, all in the name of Jesus, becomes easy, becomes naturally who we are. This morning, I want to convince you. I want to convince you that we need to gather on Sunday. Gathering on Sundays is important. The more we're committed to gathering on Sunday, the healthier you will be, the healthier our church will be, the more we'll see people's lives in our community transformed, and the more we will praise God. Not only that, but the more committed we are, the the more we grow. That's the whole point of this sermon series is that we grow through personal devotion, through Bible study groups, but also through Sunday morning worship. This week, I wanted to talk some about some of the things that kind of hang us up internal to the sermon. Um, when I was talking about small groups, you know, I was talking about the things that keep us away, like, oh, it's not quite for me, or the weather's too bad, or I'm too busy. Those are external things, and those apply here for Sunday as well. But the internal things 
can make it hard for us too. Like, oh, I'm not sure if I can listen to Jason anymore. Or, oh, we don't sing my favorite songs. If we can put those uh, in their right place, where we come to hear the word of God to get the most out of, even my mediocre sermons, or we come to sing uh, even songs that we don't really like to praise God, we will continue to grow. This Sunday is the last Sunday in our series of Ready, Set, Grow. The last few weeks we've been talking about this, how important it is for us to, to be devoted, to have devotions that we do on a daily basis. Last week, again, we talked about how important it is for us to be in a small group. And it is my desire that every one of us will be in a small group. Whether that's a small group with you and one other person that you guys just seem to get along and study, wonderful. Or if that's you in a kind of traditional Bible study where you gather together to read the Word of God and you start at 7 and you end at 8 and it's like that, like clockwork, great. All of those are good. I want us to be gathered in small groups. And this morning, I wanted to impress again on us, impress, um, on us again how important it is for us to gather Sunday mornings. First of all, to praise God, but also so that we will grow, but above all this, to praise Jesus because he is worth it. Amen.